Hello, welcome to episode 144 of Raw Japan. This is Brandon Chin, and I'm back on the mic. And today we're going to talk about uh, Rakugo in Osaka, Kamigata Rakugo. So basically, this past weekend I went to Osaka, visit my friend, and uh, film that video interview I spoke about with the black experience in Japan and yeah it was cool cool trip uh, I got in a Rakugo session if you don't know what Rakugo is it is basically storytelling uh, a storytelling art in Japan where the speaker stands on a sits on a pillow and uses very minimal props like a fan or uh, maybe their handkerchief to make their stories come alive and they'll basically act out different characters with different voices and looking in specific directions to uh, really engross you in their stories of course I don't understand everything some of the stories are based in um, uh, the Edo period back in the day and the language they use is sometimes older it's, I mean you you can talk to some even uh, uh, Japanese adults in their 40s or 50s even that don't understand what they're saying most of the people in the audience were 50 plus 60-ish uh, of course, there's some young people there too, but most are older. And it's for this reason, because of the language and the situations, like what you can relate to. Most of the, the Rakugo artists are also older, so it all, that's what it is. I remember one of the, the comedians was actually, or the Rakugo artist was actually talking about how back in the day or for most of his career that uh, the weekdays in the middle of the day were very busy because old people were retired and couldn't go to see. The day I saw it was Sunday, which is Setsubu, which is like the bean-throwing day. And uh, the day after that, which is today, Monday the, the 4th, is supposed to be the start of spring. So... Um, I guess they were very surprised that the crowd was so, or the the area. What is what is that? It's not a stadium. The theater <laughs> was very packed, so they were surprised. But in any case, I thought I'd tell you some of the stories that I heard and how I understood them. And uh, of course, they're all in Japanese, so I'll do my best to relate the stories to you. Of course, the humor is probably not going to come across, but anyway, I enjoyed myself, and I recommend you check it out if you come to Japan. But the first story, I feel like most of these stories in Rakugo are told by different artists, and you can see the different styles with how they tell the story, but the stories are basically set for the entire art. Uh, most of, Like I said, most of them are based... Uh, many years ago 
and with that comes an under, a cultural understanding. That's why it's hard for. That's why I was the only foreigner in the theater, because most of the things they're talking about, and it's just talking. So, of course, they'll do like some actions and they'll move their face and 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 look in different directions and stuff like that. It's still quite difficult to stay engaged if you i think if you don't understand what they're saying otherwise you're just you're just you don't know what's happening i remember going the first time i remember going back when i was just starting to learn japanese like one year in and i was really like i could tell from the beginning i was in this journey for the long haul but because uh, I was just drowning myself in, in putting myself in situations and environments constantly where I couldn't necessarily understand everything. And uh, yeah, I was I was just didn't know what was happening, but I did my best to listen. And, you know, I could pick up some like maybe like, you know, one sentence, two sentences or so out of like the whole thing. But I enjoyed, because I love stories as a writer, and I just love the, the environment. But now I can pick up more of the stories and laugh at some of the more simple jokes. But when it gets to, when it gets to the more complex stuff, I'm still lost. But in any case, I will relate some of these stories as I remember them for you. This first story is one story that's always told that I recognize from the last time I went, which is uh, it's uh, this tiger. The guy, this guy, basically work is working like a, a short time, part time job as a tiger, dresses up like a tiger, and he's at the zoo and he has to they teach him how to walk and and do all of the behaviors of a that a tiger would do. And during the process, you know, he's seeing people come to see him through the glass and uh, he's laughing at or he's he's listening to what the kids are saying there. Some kids are talking like, oh, that's such a cool tiger mom. And another kid is saying, mom, can I throw a rock at this tiger? And, you know, he's just contemplating all of these different things. And uh, he sees one of the customers. uh, They have bread in their hand. And he he thought it looked really good, so he's just he's you know doing his tiger roaring, but during that he's trying to slip in some human talk, and he's basically just like asking for the bread, and uh, the kid throws the bread or the adult throws the bread, and he can't pick it up first because the costume he's wearing doesn't allow his fingers to stretch and also his mouth is covered you know he has a mask on but he pulls up his mask to eat the bread and the kids the people watching are shocked like oh man this this the dude took off his mask or whatever and you know he's just doing all of these different antics and then uh at the last part of the story because these are like shorter i think they're all like 15 20 minutes and um, this one, he's uh, oh, basically. Wait, sorry, I thought my computer shut off. <laughs> but um, 
No, he. Uh, yeah, the last part of the story is when the the announcer or the people operating the zoo basically announce, make an announcement that the tiger will now battle the lion, and uh, it's a real lion, and basically the story ends like that. He like starts freaking out and panicking, and then, you know, he, he realizes he shouldn't have signed up for this job at hundred dollars a uh, a day, and it's not worth his life, and he starts freaking out, and and just ends. But um, yeah, that's like a warm up. They do that in the beginning to like get the people starting to laugh because people know this one. It's simple. Uh, it's mostly funny because it's it's mostly um, it's very visual and easy to grasp. But the delivery, it's always the delivery, right? Me telling you these stories like this isn't, like I said before, is not going to translate to humor. But it's a, it gives you a little bit of a foundation to understand how these simple stories were. And uh, that was the first one. Another one was a uh, one one I liked was about this this sumo wrestler that is getting interviewed, and um, he's basically talking about how over his long career, uh, you know, just talking about what he's gone through, and he's telling the interviewer that uh, he's. In his career, there have been some matches that have been lost and but and won. And the interviewer is asking the sumo about each match. And he, he goes on to say, <laughs> every time we can tell, he's like, it was this time. that like, He's very intensely talking about each match. This time, I did it like this. And I slapped him and pushed him out of the ring. Like, really dramatic. And then it's always... With each match, he ends the the comment with the fact that he lo he lost. Like he'll describe this really intense thing that happened, and then you find out that he was the one that was getting, uh, for example, thrown overhead. Like he'll describe, and then a body went. Uh, one of us went back, and the body went over over the head and outside of the ring with a smack. And then the interviewer would be like, wait, was that you? And he's like, yes, it was me and it hurt. And it's like, and that's where the, the, the punchline is. But um, some of the descriptions were really funny. Um, like he's talking about how he was slapping. One of them was slapping, because they do like those, uh, how do you, it's like a punch, but open-handed. And they just call it slaps, basically. Well, that's how I understand it. And uh, he's like talking about how he's like pushing the dude towards the end. I think he's like, okay, well, so the interviewer's like, oh, wow, so that means you must have won that one. He's like, he's like, no, and my hands hurt, like slapping the dude. <laughs> like, yeah, like, usually sumos, right? Like, you don't expect them to be hurt while they're attacking. And, uh, he just keeps going on to talk about these different mini stories, different matches where he's lost every bout. And at the end, the guy's like, hold up. You said there were some matches that were lost and some that were won. And he said, 
yeah, my opponents would win and I would always lose. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's just talking about how there must have been one time that you've won a match, right? And he said, yes, there was one. There was one. It was when I was uh, in this tournament with children like, as an adult. And he said he came in fifth. He's like, you came in fifth. You didn't even win. He's like, yeah, but I beat the guy in sixth. Say, like, how old was the guy in sixth? He's like a little baby, like an infant, sumo, basically. But uh, that was funny because, you know, the image of sumo is is one of, like, it's a respectable cultural thing, but this made it really light and humorous and approachable. Another one, uh, this one actually wasn't rakugo. It's funny because they fit in uh, different acts within the different, with it, between the different rakugo sessions. And one of this was like, it was like manzai. Manzai is like two, is like comedy. It's like stand-up comedy for two people, kind of. Because they're doing like an act, right? One person is the supposed to be the stupid one. The other one calls them out on their bullshit. And it was a father and, and daughter. And the father was kind of like the dull one. And the, the daughter was calling him out on things. But they were just talking about how they've been doing this thing for like 20 years. And it was I liked it a lot because it was really natural. It really felt like they were having a conversation between father and daughter. And uh, they they started out like they were going to do an act, but then they just started talking about how it is to uh, work with each other. And then just talking about family problems and all that. So th that was the act, but they made it seem like it, they just went into that conversation. So it was really nice. Uh, the, the daughter would, the, the dad was making like oyaji jokes, is like dad jokes. And he's like, you know, this is what we kind of, this is what I do for like, I've been doing this for like 20 years. But the, these type of jokes, are these okay for you? And I mean, I thought they were funny. But um, what was it? He said something about like, um, oh yeah, there was a, <laughs> there was a uh, old um, a senior robber, senior burglar. And they got arrested for taking some shit. And the daughter was like, what did they take? And he said, uh, years, age. And it's funny because in Japanese, the word for take is toru, is like taking. And when somebody's old, you also say toshi o toru, toshi totta, is like you're getting older or you're, you're old. And so it's like, it's a play on words. But uh, beyond that, when he they started getting into the talk about um, family, the daughter was saying that you haven't officially proposed to mom yet. After 40 years of marriage, you, she's complained to me per, without you there that you know you haven't proposed to her officially. So get your shit together and do it. And. He he was very nervous and like what why what does she want isn't isn't it just love isn't love enough the action do I have to say it and all that you know and she's like oh man men just don't understand women's what women want etc and then um, he she was trying to walk him through the proposal process and it's so funny because <laughs> I thought it was really funny. 
<laughs> because he was like, they made the mic, the mother. It's like, okay, practice with the mic. And you just go up to her and how would you say it? And like the tone and the way you would approach. And, you know, there was ways that he was saying it too loud or too quiet or the way he was behaving was funny. But the funniest one for me, at least, was when he's like, she's like, okay, but yeah, you don't start off with mom because that's not romantic. You know how some couples, um, my parents did it too, actually, where they would call each other dad or mom is like what the children call the parents they become parents co-parents instead of partners in their minds right mentally and uh it's the same thing he's like okasan like calling a mom calling her mom and um uh she's like that's not romantic call her by her name and her name by her name her name He's he didn't he ah uh, <laughs> I've been calling her mother for forty years I don't know her name <laughs> and then he's like her name is um what is it I think it was Yoko Yoko and uh, he's like okay Yoko Yoko uh, Kyoko and like she's like whoa 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 who the hell is Kyoko isn't that the woman that you cheated with. When I was in elementary school, I, you know, I don't forget that shit. And this is a funny moment, like how he was, he like, you could see on his face and the way he was moving, like he didn't remember. But uh, after that, towards the end of the skit, um, uh, the dad was like, okay, yeah, yeah, all about that. But what about you? What about you not getting married? How about that at this age? And she started reacting like, in this really one tone, like no taking no breaths, uh, kind of rant, and went off and fast though, like faster than the fastest rappers you have maybe heard. Just completely one breath, bah, and like quite amazing actually, because uh, I mean I didn't understand all of it, but you could tell that. The people in the audience were catching on to every word, and so she was saying things that were. Um, it was she was speaking. It wasn't gibberish, but uh, it was just saying that why don't worry about don't worry about me getting married and that has nothing to do with my worth and going on about uh, why she's delayed and stuff like that or maybe she has no interest in it, but the whole act together the way they worked and were synced together really um, brought you close into the relationship and I enjoyed that and then I'll tell you one more Rakugo story I think uh, that one there was one about Fugu but I only understood part of that one that was quite difficult that was an older older story what else was there there was oh okay okay yeah so there was um there was this older couple, and I think he was taking out his nephew. It was a young boy that they had to watch. It wasn't, I don't think it was their son, but it was like in the family. And the, the dad or the uncle was like, ah, who would want to take out a bratty ass kid like you? Like saying this to the kid's face, and the kid's crying, and, uh, and then the auntie's like, don't worry, just go with him. and Saying this to the kid, it's fine. You'll enjoy yourself. Uncle will take care of you. 
And the uncle's just pissed off. He's like, why I got to pay for all this kid? He's going to be asking for candy and every little thing at the at the festival or whatever. So they go to the festival. And um, the kid is doing what he thought he would do. What the uncle thought he would do is by asking for candy and whatever. And um, the with every stop, it's like a different opportunity for the listeners to see that the kid actually isn't that annoying. It's the f- uncle that's being annoying. Like there's one there's one stop where um, he got him. Well, this is the main part actually. I'm trying to remember the other where the other vendors that they stopped at, but one was just like getting candy, and the kid dropped the candy, and then they left. And uh, yeah, but then this last one was where they got this uh, mitarashi dango, which is basically rice balls that are covered in sweet uh, sweet sauce. It's sweet soy sauce, actually, mitarashi. Maybe wrong on that, but um, yeah, he's basically he's talking to the shop owner and just like, how can you present this as a product? It has so much syrup on it, the mitarashi, and this is this is unacceptable. It's, it's too much, it's too sticky, and he's like, let me, I gotta. I gotta just uh, get this ready for my. Co- I mean, this is not. This is not what it. This is not a product. This is not how you present your work. Like sucking off all of the syrup, and then finally, after it's quite long, the way he does this, finally he gives it to the kid. And the kid's like, I don't want it anymore, Uncle. This is. Uh, he's like, Why? What's wrong? He's like, Yeah, this is. Um, this is not. I didn't want regular rice balls. I wanted sweet rice balls. And I was like, oh, okay, the sauce. Yeah, let me. And then he's talking to the shop owner. You see, there's my nephew here doesn't have enough sauce, so I'm just gonna ah dip. And he like dips the the rice balls on a stick that he was sucking clean, and just dips it into the jar where the the syrup is placed for other customers you know for clean rice balls whoa 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 what are you doing man and just gets the sauce and they walk off and he gives the the child the thing to eat it and he's like you know i never would have came if this if i i never would have came with you if i knew you were going to be like this is what the kid says to the uncle so basically starts out with the uncle is really hesitant to take the kid out in the past, he's been very annoying and he's bratty or whatever. But in the end, it's actually the uncle that is the annoying one. And the kid is, is disappointed with his festival trip. Again, the delivery and the actions, it all makes part these stories come alive. And of course, I'm not relating all the details to you. But, I mean... There are some people that do Rakugo in English, but even if you don't really know Japanese, uh, I mean, it depends on what you'd like, I guess, because some people can't sustain themselves 
like the, I can understand why your focus would drift if you don't speak Japanese. But if you even if you don't speak Japanese, but you enjoy storytelling or you just like to see people perform, but without so much flash, then I recommend Rakugo. And then maybe you can read some English books about it or watch some videos about it to understand more. But I mean, for me, like I went in the beginning, I was watching also no theater. And I've spoken about that a little bit in the past, but it's basically um, it's an old uh, form of theater. They said the oldest type of theater that's continued from how it was conceived. And it came from China as Sarugaku, and they have masks and dance slowly to rhythms on a theater, on a stage. And when I first came to Japan, even though I didn't speak Japanese, like that type of Japanese is like classical Japanese, and they sing it so it's all stretched out. I mean, you'll, even old people, older people will say that they don't know what the hell they're saying, but it's seen as like a you know, kind of uh, what people would assume from like going to see plays on Broadway or musicals and stuff like that. It's like a high art type of thing. And I mean, I just enjoyed the raw energy of the room there. Like it's a, there's a deep spirituality in it. And I, I connected with that from the beginning, even though I didn't understand what they're saying. And I still don't understand what they're saying. But I, I get that same kick in the chest. Uh, it really, it's like meditation. And like, while you listen to it, you actually go into a meditative state and you might drift off. And people have said before, like, I read an interview actually from a no master, a no theater master that was talking about, uh, yeah, that's the point. If you do fall asleep, that's good because you are, the way that we're singing and and uh, chanting is, I think, similar waves to how you sleep. And so you you go to sleep and like you get entranced, basically. Of course, not during not the whole time, but it's five hours. So during that time, like you might fall asleep for like five, ten minutes. Uh, but you're still there, at least for me. And I enjoy those type of performances. But if you are okay with not seeing dancing or people with masks and colorful costumes and you can just sustain yourself watching somebody on a pillow on their knees just talking and using a fan to act out the stories, then I recommend Lakuko. And like I said, there's English Rakugo artists as well, so you can find them on YouTube. But uh, that's that's what I wanted to talk about today. I mean, I went to fuel. I, I enjoy this type of stuff because it fuels my writing. It fuels my novels. The way that they're, they're telling stories really puts you there. And that's what I try to do with my books. I try to give you an opportunity to come to Japan and transport yourself here so that you can experience what I experience on a daily basis. And uh, if you're interested in that, I have a free novel for you. You can go to www.brandonshin.net forward slash 
Block, B-L-O-C-K. And this one's about the blockchain and Japan, where I'm living currently in Itoshima. So you can see what it's like to build society off digital trust. And what does it asks the question, what does power become uh, when everything's transparent? So check it out at that link and just type in your email address and I'll send you the book to your inbox. As always, when you finish this, go tell one person about this podcast. Copy the link. Tell them, hey, just found out about this Rakugo art. Uh, There's a storytelling form of thing. You can go on YouTube, check it out. Um, and Brandon has some stuff to recommend for you. I recommend that you recommend this to your friend. So see you on the next one. Today is the 4th. It's 11.30 p.m. And I'm going to bed. Take care of yourself.